This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jay Harwood's a special edition of Amazing Conversation with my old friend of, God, more than 40 years, Dwight Gooden. Yeah. Doc, you got um, I'm old, you're still young. <laughs> I don't know if I'll say young. I got 10 uh, grandkids. Oh, yeah, well, God. Ten, you filled your own football team. <laughs> Three great-grandkids. Three great-grandkids? Yes. Oh, my well, goodness. I, I didn't know it's been that long, but until you told me 40 yeah, years. Yeah, 40 I've years from 1984. That's, That's amazing. So, first of all, congratulations on the number report. We, 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 we retired. Were you and Dow separate ceremonies? Date hasn't been set next year. How did you get a feel when you see 16 go to the roof at City Field? Oh, I've been thinking about that a lot since Steve told me and we talked about it. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine it seemed, you know, surreal to have that because I'm looking at that day as a big celebration for myself, my family, all my friends, the front office, everybody, because everything that I've been through, everything that's going on on the field, off the field, right. and to get to share that moment one more time with the fans and everyone, and then to see that number rise there, I mean, I, I don't know. I hope I get through it without getting too emotional at that day, but um, I definitely get it as a celebration. Doc, why do you, speaking, you know, on and off the field, why do you think you've been so beloved all this time? I mean, you've had great years, great wins, but you've had some troubles on yes. and off the field, but still the fans adore you. I mean, why do you think that's the case? I think most of the thing is, like, I'll start with off the field. I think um, always was honest. You know, I made a lot of mistakes, obviously. The mess that I made, I try to turn into messages. I, I try to tell, help young kids. I, I'm, I'm open and honest about the mistakes I've made with addiction and so on. Um, it's been very tough to go through that at the times, but the fans always stuck with me. I think, um, and on the field, they know even my bad games always gave 100%. Um, always tried to be a good teammate in the clubhouse and in the dugout as well. So I think that plays a big part of it. I, I mean, did you, you know, was it hard to, to face up to a lot of the stuff through the years? I mean, yes. What? It was, it was very hard because I wasn't raised that way. I had good parents. Um, I come back from a loving background. And, you know, I heard a lot of people. And one of the things that was hard for me was to forgive myself. I think I struggled with that the most of all. And once I got clean, I had to deal with all the mistakes I made, all the people I hurt, the family I hurt. And I think I self-medicated with the guilt instead of just being completely honest with myself. And unfortunately, the thing that helped me the most was when I went to a mental institution in uh, 2020. 2020 uh, was it, no, 2019, I went to this mental institution, high focus in New Jersey. I was there for nine months, and I think that's what made me get honest inside myself. Um, I mean, it's still an ongoing battle, right? Oh, yes, 100%. Um, I'm never going to be truly recovered, and I have to understand that. Um, the things that I love the most, I had to let go. Um, some family members I had to let go is very hard, and I just do the best I can. I can't make no promises for tomorrow, but today, you know, I'm doing well, and then tomorrow I'll deal with that as it comes. But, um, you know, it's a tough thing. It's a lifelong battle. It's a tough disease, a disease that you hate. But I think the more you talk about it, the more you're involved with your recovery, it helps a lot. I know one of the things I felt bad about was the, the parade in 87. Oh, that would be a tough day for yeah. you, probably. I mean. That was tough. That was one of the days, too, Jay, that you, it's funny you bring it up because it probably, I don't know if I ever would get over that, but I've gotten better dealing with that right. because it was a situation that you can't redo. Right. I remember that like it was yesterday. Anytime I talk about it, it comes right there because that should have been one of the happiest days of my right. life. And it started out that way. It didn't turn into one of the worst days of my life. Um, when went on, and that kept me sick for a very long time to get over. Let me talk about some more happier moments. I was in the office at Huggins Stengel Fieldhouse 
late March uh, 1984. Um, you, Davey called, Davey Johnson called you in. And you, you really didn't know what was going on and whether you're going to make the team or not make the team right at that point. Right. Yeah, that was um, difficult. I remember um, pitching for Davey in Tidewater the year before just for the playoffs in World Series. In the playoffs, right. Yes, he told me, he said, what have you managed to make sure I lived on the team? And I went to spring training as a non-roster player. Um, every day I pitch, you know, the media would say, Doc, they say you pitch well, but because of your age, you're probably going to W or AAA. I would run in Davey's office and say, Davey, I'm going down to minors. He goes, don't worry about it. Let him talk to him make the team. But you never really know until you're told. And, and you're right. I think it was the last spring training game right. in St. Petersburg. We were leaving to go to New York. Right. We were getting ready to leave that day. And he came up to me, like, fifth and said, congratulations, you made the team. And one of the greatest things about that was for me making the team, but even a bigger, greater moment was sharing that moment with my dad and telling him I made the team. That was one of the, the only times I've seen my dad actually cry. Yeah. Do you think, you know, how much did it help you in 83 when you were at Lynchburg? We had the 300 strikeouts, 191 innings at Shea Stadium. Davey saw you pitch that day. Yes. How much do you think that helped in his forming his judgment? I think it helped a lot because Davey, when he saw me pitch, well, I started off slow in Lynchburg. I was 0 3, and then I won like 18 out of the next um, 20. I think you won up with a 19 and 4 or something? 19 like and 4 with 300 strikeouts. And the yeah. thing about that, I remember. In, in the minor leagues, you play double hitters is only seven innings. Right. And my last start was a double hitter game. I'm only going seven. I needed 14 strikeouts. And I got the 14 strikeouts. And after that game, they said, you're going to AAA. And pitching for David, pitching great for him, I think it played a big part because David really went to bat for me. And He fought for you. You know, the people yeah. in the front office, I'm sure you know. Yeah. 19, too young, go get see. And you skipped from... A ball, no double A, no triple A, really, right to the major leagues. And Davey oh, had a, he knew what you were made of and had a hunch to, to stick with you. Yes, definitely. And I think for me personally, what helped was um, we pitched the exhibition. I pitched the exhibition game at Shea Stadium that right. year and pitched in the park. And that was the first time I've ever been in a big league stadium. And I think that's where everything changed for me. My confidence kicked in. Pitching in the park, I was like, man, this is great. I would love to be here. And went from there. And then, like you mentioned, pitching for Davey in triple A, where Davey saw me firsthand, he thought that even though I was 19, that I would, I would be ready. What, you know, I always felt that, you know, we had, we had new players, but Davey was the perfect manager for our team in 84. Um, when he, at his press conference in 83, um, he, 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 he said, I'm glad to be the manager and went to turn to Frank Cash. What took you so long? <laughs> what was it about Davey that made him you know, good for our team, do you think? I think with Davey, um, he, he knew how to deal with 25 personalities. He had 25 different personalities, and Davey knew how to deal with that. Um, he dealt with the front office well. I thought he was very honest with the players about playing time and so on, and he communicated well. He had a set of rules, um, but as long as you didn't break his rules, it was good. And he's the only manager that I know that we call a player manager where on a plane rise, you know, he's sitting in the back of the plane, play cars with you. On the road, he go out and have a drink or have dinner with you, where most, most managers, they sit in the front of the plane with the coaches. They only go out to eat with the coaches. But David was one of us, but he did have his rules. And I think that um, by him being a former player, he can relate with us real well, but he set the tone for us. A couple of the guys that who meant to talk about, what did Gary Carter mean to your career? Oh man, Gary was like, he was ultimate. He played a big part of my success in 85. And I remember Gary joining us in 85 in spring training. And I was like, man, this is crazy because I threw to Gary in the All-Star game in 84. We struck the side out in the first Yeah, I struck the side out. And Gary said, wouldn't this be nice to do every fifth day? Not knowing was going to trade for him that all season. Right, right. And Gary actually came to my wedding in 87, which you was there too. Yes, I was. And, um, I was. We, we hit it off right away. And Gary, the thing about him, he demanded the best out of me. It was up 10 runs. He wanted me to pitch like it was one nothing. And even like the side days when I threw on the side, Gary's the only catcher I ever had that would come down and catch my side days as well. Yeah. But um, I miss Gary. He, he might have been a better person. Yeah, player I agree. Died too young, 57 years old. Wow, you that's know? amazing. And yeah. 
Keith, uh, let me, before I get to Keith, yeah. Mel Stoudemire, your pitching coach. Oh man, Mel, another guy, played a big influence in my career. And Mel was also a good friend of mine, as you was. I remember um, when I had my incidents, when I went to Smith's the first time, you and Mel was the first guy that I saw there. You came to see me. We met at, I think we met at your house. Yes. Uh, we went to your house, and yes. uh, Mel was there. Just a good, genuine yeah. guy. And I think he cared more about me as a person than as a player. And I played a big part, especially at a young age, and then to have Mel later in my career, you know, with the Yankees um, to be there for me at the end of my career was a big part as well. So Mel was a good friend. And you, you were, were speaking of the Yankees, you we were teaming with David Cohn with the Mets and, and with, with the Yankees too, right? I mean, Oh yeah, David was the best. I remember um, Corny helped me out a lot making an adjustment to the American League because you have the extra hitter, the, the um, designated hitter, instead of having the pitcher spot. So he talked to me a lot about you know, making an adjustment and pitching at Yankee Stadium. And David's still a good friend today, and I'm very happy for David. And um, he, he definitely was a steal in that trade when we got him in 1987. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He could have been an 86 Met, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, you know, he would have been one of the leaders. He could have been an 86 Met. He would have been one of the leaders for sure. Without any problem, he would have fit yeah. right in with the yeah. crew, right? No, no doubt about it. When we yeah. got him, I remember Ronnie had the best line. Ronnie goes, when we saw him throwing this on the side, he couldn't believe it. He said, how did we get this guy? Then Ronnie said, on one plane ride, he's sliding up and down the plane. He said, now I know why we got him. No, he's, he was a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a good and guy. And Keith, your surrogate pitching coach, Keith Renan. Oh, oh, Keith was the best. I love Keith. And Keith actually called me a week, about two weeks ago to congratulate me. And Keith always looked up to Keith as a leader. Um, he was my uh, um, the assistant pitching coach to Mel on the field my rookie year. I didn't really know the hitters. And Keith would tell me how to pitch certain guys, how to face guys in certain situations. And also... A lot of times he'll come out of the hotel room and make sure I was okay, that I went home sick, anything like that. I mean, just a true, true guy, true leader, and a good well, man. Well, I want to go back to the first game in Houston. Uh, Mom and Dad were there. Yes. They, you know, and then the story people don't believe, but you were locked out of the Astrodome <laughs> up there, right? Because you, you, they, they, they thought you were too young, you didn't have any identification. I think right. I had to call Steve Garland, our good friend, yes. to get you in that day. You oh, know, man. Five innings, you got to win. Yes, that was amazing. So. I had um, the mess with kind of to fly my parents in. I had lunch with my parents that day, and I was so nervous for my, big, my first big league start. And so I actually concentrated how to get to the Astrodome. And he told me it was like a three-mile walk. And so I, I said, okay. So I walked to the, the Astrodome. I didn't know how to get in, so I climbed like an eight-foot fence, and the security guard saw me. Yeah. They came right over there and said, hey, Kenny, what are you doing? I said, I'm Dwight Gunn, I'm pitching. Like, and I showed my ego, like, sure you are. Luckily, Steve Garland and the trainers get there early. Right. So they called down. And Steve had to actually come get me. And Steve asked me, Doc, what are you doing? I said, well, I didn't know how to get in. I got in, and like you said, Bob. You didn't take the bus, right? I didn't take the bus. I was too nervous. Yeah. And I'm um, just too excited about the first start. And then having my parents there, that made me more, you know, nervous. So, um, and then, like you say, like four or five hours later, I had pitched five minutes, got my first big league win. So, 84, um, 17 and 9, you know, rookie of the year. 
276 strikeouts in the beginning of the K quarter. Yes. I mean, you told me one time that you did look at the K quarter, yes. right? <laughs> yes. You know, when I was playing, I couldn't say that. I had to give them, you know, the, the correct answer, you know, politically correct answer, what they want to hear. I said, no, I didn't know how many I had, but after a while, because um, when you strike a guy out, they pass the ball around the infield. The third baseman is the last guy to get the ball before he throws the yield. And I would take a look up at left field corner and right. see how many I had because Gary and myself, we was caught in and had to get 10 strikeouts. He wanted me to have 10 strikeouts every time, so I counted them. And once I got the 10, then I just kind of didn't mind if I get the other strikeouts or not. Isn't it true that Gary was, before analytics, he used to keep a book on, on all the of uh, the hitters. So before analytics, it was Gary well prepared for every pitcher. Right? Oh, definitely. Gary was the best of that. You know, not like now where they got like the, the scouting reports like a phone book. Right. Gary would come on before they started to be me, Gary, and Mel Sotomayor before I warm up and he'll go over the lineup in his little handbook and he'll say, okay, this is the guy we have trouble with. So there's always one guy on every team that you didn't want to beat you. If you had to walk him four times, he'll say, okay, this guy, we know we can get him with the all-speed stuff. And this guy still, if you throw fastballs, keep it away. So Gary would go over that, and then it's just like a memory bank. You lock it in. Did you see 85 coming, Doc? 24-4, 153 ERA, 268 strikeouts, triple, no. uh, pitching uh, triple crowd. Did you see that coming after 84? I, I didn't really see those numbers coming, but I, I had more confidence after going through one year and having Gary. Gary was unbelievable. He made me believe that I was the best to ever pitch that particular day. He was great with dealing with different guys' personalities. And I, I knew I had more confidence. I was a little stronger. I was a little bigger. I was ready for the challenge, but I didn't see that year coming at all. But um, I think, i tell you what, though, Jay, once we got back to the All-Star break, you started seeing bigger crowds here, uh, more media attention, which I appreciate you for handling the media, for keeping that you know, pressure off me. And it was, a, you know, it was more of a baseball game. It was a challenge, but Gary made me accept that challenge. And every game was a big event, and I look forward to it. Did, did um, I mean, talk about a guy who always gets overlooked. Is Kevin Mitch was really a rookie that year. Yes. Um, and he played all the different positions. World, world was his nickname. World, world. Mitch. <laughs> what, was, what was he like playing with? Darn Mitch, one of the guys you, I think each team need to have a guy like Mitch in the clubhouse. I got to keep everybody loose when things are not going well. Long road trips, long plane rides. He always was upbeat and very positive, a lot of energy. Kept right good, and plus he could play a little bit. I mean, that didn't hurt either. Right, no question. Now, a great guy, and Mitch, you know, he went on to have a great career, but um, I thought Mitch was great. And um, I played in 83 when I was with, I called him triple A. Mitch got called up too, so David got to see him a little bit. But Mitch played like every position on the field besides pitch and catch. But um, just a great guy, great clubhouse guy, a true leader, and one guy, if get into a fight, I want him on my team. No question. Doc, with all the stuff you've been through, did you think the number, did you ever think this would be possible? I mean, did you ever. You know, we had talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. Did you ever think you would get to this point that you would be recognized here? Not like this, no. And all you wanted, Jay, was that one more time and you want to be a part of something. And I always felt like, man, I could have did this differently. I've done something differently because right. the Mets gave me a lot. The Whippons gave me a lot. I mean, I, I liked those guys a lot, you know, and I cared about those guys a lot. And I think they cared about me deeply. Unfortunately, when we had to go separate ways in 95, I felt bad. I felt bad for the fans and everybody because of what happened. I always wanted to come back in some shape or form. But unfortunately, never got to that. But to have a number retired now, that, that's like an honor, the highest honor you can get from a team that's saying everything's okay. They forgave me for all I did off the field, and they welcomed me back into the did family. You, you, did you pitch against us in a, in a Subway Series game one time? Yes. We I, had, that, that kind of went, felt crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, you know you know what's funny? So I remember um, when it cut ties, it was okay. And then I pitched for the Yankees in 96, 97. I think Steve Phillips was the general manager, and, right. I, and I played with Steve. We had a good relationship, and we still do. I played with him in Little Falls, so I called him. I said, Steve, any chance of me coming back? He goes, unfortunately, Doc, we got no room. We wish you the best. 
I signed with Cleveland in 99. After 99, I called Steve again. I said, um, anything there? He goes, we've got no openings, Doc, sorry. And then I signed with Houston. Um, Jerry Hansinger, who used to be the assistant general manager. Right, here, Jerry's a good friend. Here, he said, we can sign you, Doc, to a Monty contract. But we had, they had some pitcher, I don't remember his name, he said he's coming back from Tommy John. Whenever he's ready, I might have put you in the bullpen, or I don't know what we're going to do. Right. So I had one start, and the guy was ready. So he said, we can put you in the bullpen and trade you to Tampa. So I figured that was going to be my last year anyway. So I got traded to Tampa. I pitched eight games. I got released. I called Steve again. I said, look, I'll go to AAA. I'll do whatever. I just want to finish my career as a Met. Right. He said, unfortunately, Doc, we got nothing we could do. I said, okay, I understand that. And I signed back with the Yankees. And George called me into the office like a week later. He goes, no, Billy Connors, you know, Billy, he said, sure. Doc, we need to see you in the office. So I thought I was going to get released. He said, we need you up in New York to pitch. It's a day-night double hitter. The day game at Shea, night game at the Yankee Stadium, and you're pitching the day game at Shea. I mean, I'm like, oh, man. I couldn't tell him I wasn't ready, but that's all I really wanted, that one more time to go to Shea Stadium. Right. And I got to go there, pitch well, and stay with the team the rest of the year. But it's kind of weird, bittersweet, being wearing a Yankee uniform and playing the Mets in the World Series. That didn't feel right, but now everything has come full circle, and I think everything is You know what's crazy? How many, I don't have to tell me, how many one hitters did you pitch for the Mets? Remember, Keith Moreland did oh, it late. Man. Yes. With more than one, right? A couple of one hitters. I, 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 I think three. I think three. three. But that one sticks out more than anything. And, and you wind up pitching an no hitter with the Yankees. I know. The, the, the way that goes, that, I mean. That's crazy. That is crazy. And I still think the one hitter I pitched in 84, that should have been a no hitter. I think Red Foley was the scorekeeper. I used to have so many fights with Red Foley about oh, scorekeeping. Yeah. And he told one, me. One game, um, Ed Lynch was pitching, he gave her three runs. In three innings, and Red didn't give him a save. Oh, and Red, Red was a feisty, good guy, but a feisty old guy. Yeah, he was going back and forth, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy that the one. You know, I remember Keith Moreland got the yeah, hit. Keith right? Moreland hit a hit. He's a slow roller to Ray Knight at third. Ray filled it, and you know, Keith Moreland couldn't run a lick, but Ray couldn't fill the ball cleanly, right. so he never threw it and they gave him a hit. The only base runner all game, but what made it worse? A week later. Red Fuller said, I screwed up, Doc. That should have been no hitter. That's a deal. I said, well, change it. <laughs> you know, but, you know, that was fine. And then, like you said, they throw a no hitter with the Yankees. That, I mean. It was crazy. That was crazy. And it, it turned out that was the last game my dad saw me pitch. He passed away shortly after. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Tell, tell the people what your dad meant to you. I know you used to talk to me after every start, right? And, 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 and he came near. I remember Dan and Alan, great conversation. What did he mean to your career? Oh, man, he meant everything, Jay. He taught me the game of baseball when I was 10 years old. Uh, big baseball fan. Growing up in Tampa, um, Cincinnati Reds had spring training there. We used to go to all the Reds games. Um, he would be at all my little league games, all high school games. And once I made the team, um, I, I had to call him before I talked to the media. After every start, I mean, I don't know if you remember those big um, 
the satellite dishes, right. like a spaceship. We had one of those in the backyard. And so you watch the game on WR with uh, Raph and Tim. And so after every game, I would come in. Even my pitch like a one-hitter, two-hitter, he would always find something. What, did, what year did he pass, Doc? I forget. Um, 97. 97. January 97, yes. He would always say, good game, but why did you throw this certain pitch? What did you think right. of this pitch? Because he didn't want me to just settle for that. He always wanted me to work on something. Yeah. And he was a big influence on my career and my life. And um, that was one of the things, too. I'll never forget in 87 when I um, filled that first test to go tell my dad that. That's the one time that I know I really hurt him. But to his credit, he had a great relationship with Mel Stoudemire. When they would talk, he would tell Mel yeah. what I worked on, what to look for, and Mel would talk to him. But he played a big influence on in my career. Once he passed, playing baseball was never the same for me again. Jack, tell the people what you're doing now with, with kids and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. I know you're affiliated with... Uh, with Hackensack Hospital yes. in, in New Jersey. Yes. And what are, what are the kind of things you like to do? Yeah, with the hospital, what I do a lot of times, you have kids in there with, with cancer, different things. Right. I try to go in there, cheer them up, tell them, you know, if you get better, we go to a game. And their parents are there. A lot of parents have been staying in the hospital for weeks and, you know, months, some of them, some travel over. So I just try to spend time with them, watch a game with them, to let them know I could at least try to distract them for a little bit that they're there. And um, the kids with addiction, I talk with them as well, just try to share the things I've been through with them, and hopefully they don't make the same mistakes I've made as well. I try to do a lot of that. Did, did they, I mean, I'm sure they, 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 you try to tell them, don't do, unfortunately, what I did some of the time. Yeah, a lot of things, don't do the mistakes I made, and always have someone, I think the key for me is, and the key for them, have somebody that you trust that you can talk to about whatever's bothering you. And I think, like, a lot of times with mental health, people take that for granted. I know growing up myself, when somebody said, you're crazy, you just kind of laugh it off. You know, men don't cry. Men don't show their problems, men don't hug. So I had to relearn all that stuff. But just having the kids understand that addiction doesn't discriminate. It don't matter you're white, black, rich, poor, it's, it's around. But having somebody you can talk to, I think now kids probably have more peer pressure than any generation before. Somebody that they're comfortable with, they can talk to about whatever. And how how do you answer, you know, people ask me, I, I tell you what I tell them, you have 194 wins in, for your career. Yeah. Uh, I think your winning percentage is over 630 or something like that. Yeah. You know, you know. Do you ever think about what might have been Hall of Fame? But let me let me tell you my thing is, Hall of Fame would be great. But for me, what you're doing now, you're affecting lives, affecting people in a way. It's kind of even more important in the Hall of Fame what you're doing now. That's my take on it. One hundred percent, Jay. And, and for me to get to that point was, unfortunately, when I got incarcerated. You know, I looked at my whole life. I said, man, I like to just get out of here. And I look back at. What people said I should have been doing. What people said I should have won more games. People say you should have been in the Hall of Fame. I look back at only thing I wanted to do at that time was make it to the big leagues, stay healthy, play a long time. I got to win a lot of awards, got to meet a lot of friends, um, won three World Series. I have nothing to feel bad about my career. And now I'm still around for the damage that I've done to myself and my family. But the good Lord has kept me here. So I think now, as you just mentioned, and that means a lot that you said that is helping others, because you're talking about a life now, um, dealing with addiction and things like that, because I've done a lot more than people have lost their life for. No question, 100%. It's gone. So I, my message is just trying to help other people every day that I can, and just sharing my message, what I've been through. And it took a long time to get to that point, because like you say, the embarrassment, the shame, the guilt, all the stuff that I had, I had you to know, find somewhere to You know, talk, with all the stuff you're talking about, you, you never hid. And mm -hmm. I wonder, from the PR point of view, the your 86 World Series against the Red Sox, not great starts, right? No, that was but, but you never had, you went to the, that's why I think why the media, you know, you, you run away, went to, we had to walk to down the end of the hall to the bullpen. Yep. You know, you never had, you were always there at the good times, the bad times, and the media, the monkey time. Yes. To me, that's why the meeting, the people loved you, that you were always straightforward and, and 
tells it like it was. Yeah, that was a big thing. And I'll tell you one big thing about that. Um, your advice to me about dealing with the media helped a lot when I was young. I don't think I gave you enough credit for where you helped me. And Rusty stopped. I never forget, I had a conversation with Rusty. Good man. He's a great man. He, he pulled me in the back of the training room one day because I didn't talk to the media one day after the bad start. He goes, if you're going to be in front of your locker when you do well, you need to be in front of your locker when you don't yeah. do well. That's what it's all about. And I never, that always stuck with me. Rusty was a good humanitarian. Yeah, Rusty was great. I love Rusty. Doc, I can't wait when the time flies. I'm thrilled that you get, you know, I can't wait when we get set the date. Yes. And you're going to practice your speech. I'm just going to go with my heart. So that's what, the best way to go. three minutes or two I'm, hours. I'm just going to go with my heart. I'm so thrilled for you, Dwight. And uh, pleasure knowing you all these years. And thank you for your time, man. My pleasure, Jay. Thanks, Thanks for having me, brother. I love you. I love you, you too, Doc. Yes.